0: Welcome back to Lit Up With Lo. I know there's a lot of noise in the start of every new year around resolutions, intentions, what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing. So I just wanted to remind you that my best tip for starting a new year is just getting quiet with yourself and with a notebook. Think about what you want this year to look like from the time you wake up to the time you go to sleep to what your morning routine looks like, to what your evening routine looks like. Work on establishing systems so that you can accomplish those resolutions and goals. So on January 1st, I spent the day reflecting on 2020 and really detailing every single thing I wanna bring into this year. From social media blackout days, to the time I'm waking up, to what an ideal day looks like. And since one of my goals for this podcast is to set you up for success, I am tracking all of the morning routines for my guests and will post them all on my soon to be launched website. Along with those guides, I've created a morning routine template for you to design your ideal morning. From now on, when you rate and review the podcast, you can send a screenshot to litupwithlo at gmail.com and I will send you a free morning routine template as a thank you. I'm so focused on my morning routine this year because I found that starting my day with a high vibration, creating before I consume, and dictating the terms of my morning leads to the best possible version of my day. And that's all I got. So let's get on to the episode with Emily Dempsey. You may know her as at detox to retox on Instagram. Emily and I connected this year when I noticed that she also had left New York and was living this kind of nomad lifestyle trying to figure out where she wanted to live next. I've been following her entrepreneurial journey as she took detox to retox full time. So we get into that. We get into the fine print of how she built her brand after launching during a fun Miami weekend where she was having fun just as much as she was working out and taking care of herself. Hence the name, Detox to Retox. I learned so much about how you can negotiate for yourself to work with brands and monetize your brand. We also talk about Emily's amazing career in fashion and how she balanced her Instagram along with her 9 to 5. We also discuss how she became gluten-free after many years of not knowing what was wrong with her. But my favorite part of the episode was just talking about 2020 and how it has changed both of our lives. She tells us all about nomad life, including all the different different places she's lived this year, as well as dating during COVID, including a very juicy, Dirty John-esque story. I apologize in advance for the sound. Emily was sitting outside on her avocado farm in Hawaii, so you'll hear a lot of beach breezes and roosters. Now that I've set the scene, welcome Emily.
1: Yeah, I was talking to my mom yesterday on the phone and she said, she's like, what were you doing a year ago today? Like I was running, you know, to my office in Battery Park at um, Brookfield Place, you know, like mm-hmm. every all the to-go food and freezing cold wind, like just the total opposite of this.
0: Right, so and you never could have predicted that.
1: <laughs> never. Um, um, how long
0: are you out there for?
1: Um, indefinitely.
0: <laughs> I love that answer. <laughs>
1: That's like my my life right now is just, it's, I never have lived like this before, but it's like, I have a one way to get out here. I have an idea of when I wanna leave. I think I'm gonna leave at the end of the month uh, before my birthday, but just kind of taking it day by day and seeing what happens with with the virus, with work, with the world, who knows what the state of the world will look like in a week or two. <laughs>
0: No, I, I love that this year. I've just totally had to learn how to be present because I also was like the one running around New York with my calendar booked like six months in advance and yeah. can't, can't do that anymore.
1: <laughs> oh, that was me. I like, I would have every single weekend mapped out from, you know, Memorial Day weekend through March. I knew everywhere I was going to be, all the trips planned. And it's just not like that anymore.
0: And it's yeah. not a bad thing. No, not at all. So I want to hear about your 2020, but let's like really rewind and just tell me your whole story. (laughs)
1: Okay. So I grew up in Chicago um, in the suburbs and my parents got divorced. They went through kind of a long divorce starting when I was 11 up through the middle of high school, which definitely had some like formative impacts on me, which is why I bring it up. Um, We can touch on that later, but so I grew up in the Chicago suburbs, and um, I ended up going to a private Catholic high school, even though I was not raised to really be any strong denomination of religion. My family is definitely Christian, but we didn't go to church or anything like that really at all. I just felt like I needed some kind of community at that point in my life and I was seeing my friends go to you know like CCD or do bar mitzvah bat mitzvah that kind of thing and there's this different kind of community that I was craving so I ultimately found that through Jesuit Catholic school which is funny because I like that's just not something I would have ever predicted for myself but it it was a nice it was like a sense of community and just You know, it forces you to think outside of yourself and think about, like, a greater purpose and helping others. And that was really important to me. Um, And then I sort of began my health and wellness journey in high school. Um, I had a lot of stomach issues just like I couldn't basically keep food in my body and I like anything I would eat it would like come out the other end sorry TMI but it would like come out the other end undigested like 30 minutes later and I was sleeping like 14 hours a day and I was exhausted and I would skip the first two periods of of class um, in high school like Just constantly, I was never there because I was so tired and we couldn't figure out what was going on. So I ended up seeing a bunch of different doctors, everything from a kidney specialist to GI doctors. And I had the endoscopy, the colonoscopy, everything. And I ended up at this holistic nutritionist's office. And, you know, I had at that point, I tried a bunch of different medicines that were prescribed by doctors and they all had a slew of different side effects. Attached to them that I didn't necessarily want to deal with. So I was searching for some other kind of, of solution. And, you know, at the time the internet was not very, it's it wasn't what it is today. So you couldn't just get on and like start Googling and kind of really be your own advocate for health. You had to actually go out there and talk to people. So I end up in this holistic nutritionist's office, Karen Raiden, and she did a food sensitivity test on me. And I think it was a blood draw. Um, And then we put, we went on, I went on an, an elimination diet. And that's basically where you remove the, I think it's six or seven main food allergens from your, from your diet completely. And each week you add back in a different one and see how your body kind of reacts to it. So ultimately we learned that I, did not get along with gluten at the time. Celiac wasn't even a thing. So they weren't testing for it. So I completely eliminated gluten from my diet and that made a huge difference. Like my digestion issues completely went away. I wasn't exhausted anymore. My food was actually like getting digested and I was getting the nutrients from the food. Um And I did, I think I eliminated like dairy and chicken like for periods of time but brought them back into my into my diet eventually um so that was kind of like my first really foray into like a health and wellness lifestyle and that's like quite a way to go into freshman year of college with all of these you know dietary restrictions the first time you're living on your own um and then dealing with like the school cafeteria for all of your meals so it was definitely an adventure uh, and the gluten-free products they had back then were nothing like they are today. They were, it, it was, there was like rice bread that was like soggy and really dense, and like it, there, it, there's nothing like there is today. So I will say the the choices have really evolved, but I still don't eat gluten. I think um, I'm like 99% sure I have celiac's disease just because of the reaction I have whenever I like accidentally ingest gluten, if it's like soy sauce or something like that. Um, But I guess the only way to test positive for celiacs is to do, to like eat the equivalent of a piece of bread every day and then get blood work done. So I'm not like, I'm not desperate for a positive test. I know what works for my body and that is not eating any gluten. I just kind of have adapted to that. So that, I would say that's really like kind of how my health and wellness journey started and just my interest in in the space is out of necessity and having to to advocate for myself and and figure it out, figure out how to survive.
0: That's wild. I didn't even know what gluten was till I think like Goop or something started talking about it and it became like super trendy to be gluten-free.
1: No, it's like, it was just crazy but like the the alternative was to take all these different drugs that the doctors couldn't tell me whether or not they were going to work there's a slew of other side effects like oh I was going to be sleeping and like you're taking your I had AP exams senior year I'm like I'm not going to jeopardize my AP exams because I'm taking some drug the doctor has no idea whether or not it's going to work and I might like not remember things that's like a side effect what yeah so just it, it's also very interesting to have kind of your trust and uh, reliability on the medical community turned upside down at such a young age because I think we're taught to you you put so much trust in doctors and science and you know they don't have all the answers and to to realize that before you're even an adult is, like it just gives you a very different perspective on a lot of a lot of things from a health perspective.
0: Yeah, no, totally. Well, when you were first talking, I was wondering, I was like, did she have PCOS cuz I know that's another one that if you have that doctors will be like, oh, we we there's nothing wrong with you.
1: They labeled me with IBS and I got put on a a PPI to like stop my acid production and I have, I would have really bad acid reflux and just they had no idea what was going on. So for me, just changing my diet naturally made all of all of it better. And I never had to take any drugs. Wow. Which I think is just kind of my outlook on on life in general is to try to fix the problem holistically by changing something in your life, whether it's dietary, you're Your sleep patterns you know all different there's so much we can control and change before we start turning to pills and other other things like that
0: yeah no I completely agree um so did you obviously you had trouble like in the cafeteria but did you like struggle in college with people like maybe making comments like oh why aren't you eating this bread like or are you on oh, a diet? Yeah,
1: for sure, for sure. Even in my own family, my um so my parents were divorced and you know, my mom was super supportive of my celiacs or you know, not eating gluten is what we called it at the time. So she was supportive. She would always make sure that I had like, you know, a full meal, I could eat everything and if, when I would go to my dad's house for the first few years, he kind of thought it was a joke and he didn't take it seriously. And, you know, it was, it was really hard. I'd say like, I I literally can't eat this. I'm getting physically ill. And he would, they would still try to serve me, you know, the normal pasta or this and that. And they thought I was just being like a super high maintenance person. My stepmom used to be, she's a model and she lived in LA for, you know, a number of years. So they just attributed me to like being a high maintenance LA girl I'm like no like it actually makes me sick and eventually you know they came around to understand it and it's interesting because my my aunt my dad's sister has celiacs too and so does her daughter and we did a bunch of research and it's actually the highest the population at the highest prevalency is Irish
0: people oh interesting okay. I'm very Irish so I need to look into that
1: Yeah. And I think it's got something to do. My gut tells me it's got something to do with like, just Irish people and having like a very potato based diet. So they didn't have, you know, they weren't as dependent on the wheat crop. And then I do think there is something tied to like the pesticides that we use in America on the wheat crop. Because anytime I've eaten gluten accidentally in America, I get much, 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 much sicker than I do in Europe.
0: Fascinating. And
1: there's a couple documentaries out there about that worth looking into. Um, I don't know the names off the top of my head, but
0: no, I just, think that's so interesting. Yeah. yeah, I've also heard of people who, well, not only do they not have the gluten issue when they go abroad, but they like l- actually lose weight eating pasta yeah. every day. That's just fascinating to me. Yeah.
1: So it's definitely, it's, it's interesting and you just, you can't take everything at face value and it's mm-hmm. good to you know, get as many different opinions and talk to people.
0: Yeah, no, that's awesome that you were, I mean, well, I'm sorry you have <laughs> that too, but that's not awesome, but it's awesome you were exposed to that, like, line of thinking at such a young yeah. age, because I I really had, like, my, my, like, wake up just in the last couple of years where I'm like, oh, just because it's, like, an advertisement on TV doesn't mean it's factual.
1: <laughs> or it's Or it might be right for somebody else, but it might not be right for you.
0: Exactly. Um, so
1: then, co- where did you go to college? So I started at Tulane, down in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, I my little my college story is interesting. So I, you know, in high school, I thought I really wanted to either go live in New York City or live in LA, and my two dream schools were USC and NYU. I did not get into USC. I got into NYU. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got into Barnard, which is the, like, all-girls school attached to Columbia. Mm-hmm. Um, and NYU is, like, I, I thought I really wanted to go there and be in this Gallatin School of Individualized Studies where you get to make up your own major. And, you know, I was, my mom thought that I was so dead set on NYU, she sent my deposit in before I even had come home from school to find out I got in myself. And I ended up kind of freaking out at the last minute. And, you know, I'm I'm like, I'm going to miss out on this traditional college experience um, and the sororities and the partying and the football games and all of that, like everything you'd see in a, a movie about American college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had gotten into Tulane. It was the first school I got into. I got a huge scholarship there. It was, you know, it was a couple years after Katrina. So they were really just trying to, like, get people to come down there. I visited it was warm and sunny and a ton of fun so I just like decided at the last minute all right I'm going to Tulane um so I went and I definitely struggled my first year with like partying and drinking and just like the bars in New Orleans would be open 24 hours you go out every night of the week I mean it's a party school it is a hardcore party school and as a child of divorced parents. And like, I put so much pressure on myself to be perfect. I I get there and it's just like, it's kind of like a free for all. And I recognized not quickly, but by the end of my freshman year, that if I stayed at that school for four years, I was probably not gonna come out of it alive. Um, <laughs> as much as I loved it. And I went back and visited a couple times every year. My best friends now are all from Tulane um but i just i knew i couldn't go back there and uh, so i transferred i ended up transferring to fordham which is a jesuit catholic school in new york and the reason i went there was because i had gone to a jesuit catholic high school and they had a very good relationship and i was able to kind of you know call them up at the end of july and start school a couple weeks later And that was not the case. I tried to go to NYU, but they were just super over-enrolled and I was gonna have to take a a semester off. And at that age, it was so important to me to like, I was very cognizant of what my peers were doing and I didn't wanna fall behind a semester. So I ended up at Fordham, which I wasn't crazy about the school, but I am very grateful for the experience and like the proximity to New York City the classes were designed so that you would do class Monday, Wednesday, Friday, or Tuesday, Thursday. And the other days of the week were left open to do, inter- or to do internships in the city. Oh, so wow. I did a bunch of different internships um, while I was there and I was in the city all the time. And then I would spend every single summer, I would sublet in the city and do internships there. So I've basically been in New York since I was 19 and never left until this
0: year. Wow, that's amazing. I went to Fordham Law. so very yeah. familiar. Okay. So
1: you were in the city, though,
0: right? Yes, in the city, but we did have graduation um, up at the campus. Rose,
1: Rose Hill. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: And it was supposed to be in, like, the garden. It was going to be gorgeous. It rained, and so we had to get graduate in the um, gym. So that was fun.
1: <laughs> I mean, it's, it's an interesting area up there. It's, like, it's kind of like the hood, like, yeah. Bronx, but then you're right next to the Botanic Gardens, Mm -hmm. New York Botanic Gardens, which is beautiful. So we'd spend a
0: lot of time up there. Um, What were you studying and interning?
1: Um, So I, (laughs) I'm like a little bit of an interesting background. (laughs) So I majored in economics. Nice. And all my internships are in fashion. So everything from like fashion PR to production, I worked for a stylist for almost two years. I started off as her intern and then eventually like got promoted to be her second assistant. And then I was her first assistant and she wanted me to come work for her full time. And it was, she's actually pretty famous now. She wasn't at the time, but her name's Elizabeth Solcer and she's, you know, she was doing all the Victoria's Secret oh, wow. campaigns for the last couple of years. Um, so it was really cool to work with her and like, just be part of such a creative process but there's a lot of it's it's working for yourself and there was definitely some stigma attached to that for me especially like where I grew up it it was not a thing to like start off and go work for yourself and I had always wanted to be a buyer at a department store so that was my other kind of path I loved the styling and the creative process but I ended up going on to get a job working in department stores on the corporate side, so which is like what my parents kind of wanted and were more comfortable with having me having like a more stable job. So I interned at Barney's in their buying department. And then my first job was at Bergdorf Goodman as an assistant buyer, super glamorous job. Made no money, worked like investment banking hours, but it was really cool, great experience. And then I, after that, I went over to Saks Fifth Avenue and their off price department, off price division. Um, And I did, I was an assistant buyer, planner, and kind of climbed up through the ranks there.
0: Wow. That's, did you always know you wanted to work in fashion?
1: Ever since my first trip to New York, when I was like 12 or 13, we went to visit my cousin. She actually lives on the big island now, but she was living in New York City at the time. Funny. And my dad took me and we went, I think we went to Bergdorf's or Barney's or something. And that's when I figured out it was a job to be, <laughs> go shopping, like for all of the stores, not just for yourself. And I'm like, that's what I'm doing with my life.
0: That's amazing. Wow. I'm, that's awesome. You knew for so long.
1: Yeah, so that's what I've been doing. That's, and then I left Sachs. This that's what I've been doing. That's, and then I left Sachs this um, August, and I was gonna try to like move away from retail and you know focus more on my own personal brand and and things there. And I ended up now I'm also working on like a freelance basis, but I'm working with some of my old. Zach's colleagues at a retail startup called Retail Czar. So it's basically the idea is to fill the void left by Barney's opening ceremony, Jeffries, as kind of like a New York-based specialty retailer. And we're digital first. We just launched on September 3rd. And we are, you know, building that up now. The whole thing's kind of been super bootstrapped and my old chief merchant at Saks called me up and he wanted me initially to be an influencer for his brand. And then, you know, we got to talking and he said, well, you're so experienced and active and you know, all of the brands, you have these relationships. What if you're also the active buyer? So active buyer quickly turned into active buyer, beauty buyer, uh, jewelry buyer. And that's now one of my things I do.
0: That's awesome. But it's all totally remote.
1: It's all totally remote. Yeah. For now, they're going out to try to raise some some capital this month. So we'll see what happens when they do that. But I like that it has like, it's really nice to still be part of a team and be connected with a community. um, But on like more of a part time basis. And like we do, we have a bunch of zoom meetings every week. And it's one project of many that I work on and then I have other things I do for myself. Um, just like the Instagram influencer stuff, everything from creating sponsored content for brands I partner with. And then I'm really trying to like actually get into my blog right now and just kind of set that up to be like an evergreen destination. So it's, you know, once I get all the SEO and everything right, um, creating content that just lives and is searchable and people can find it and generate some kind of passive revenue from that. In addition to hopefully launching some products down the road.
0: Oh, talk about that or is it top secret?
1: (laughs) Um, I'll just say it's still very early. I've been working on these ideas since October. Um, but it, more to come soon, we can definitely, we'll keep in touch and we can check back in. But I'm here in Hawaii to kind of, like, brainstorm and, like, just dive into, like, the creative space.
0: That's amazing. You're you're kind of living my dream life right now where you just have multiple <laughs> sources of income. Because I'm the kind of person where I'm, like, not just happy being a lawyer. I, like, have to also be going back yeah. to school and be having a podcast and have, an, yeah. I have to do many things. And I, I can already tell, like going forward my life is just going to be many forms of income many different projects
1: and that's you know that's something i feel very strongly about and i started my detox detox i started as a passion project as a creative outlet when i was at sax because i kind of got pigeonholed into this planning job which was very analytical it was all excel i wasn't talking to people and i needed the creative outlet i needed you know not so much the writing, but, like, I got really into, like, styling and doing these photo shoots and running around New York City and, like, trying to, like, create different types of content I thought people wanted to read or wanted to find on Instagram, on the internet. And, like, that whole process was super important to me. And during during the time I was at Saks and doing that, it was it was like I was working two full-time jobs. And I I mean, I definitely went into, like, crazy overdrive mode and there were periods in the two years when I did both that my friends just like, they were like, we can't even talk to you right now. Like you're so high strung and like, you're doing too much. You need to just like calm down. But I mean, you definitely, there's something to be said about working really hard and like hustling. But what I learned in the process was how important once I went off on my own, it it would be to have multiple streams of revenue and not just ever be dependent on one source and i never wanted to be just an instagram influencer and rely solely on one platform because i think that's it's very scary and it's also there's not a lot of security there like what if instagram went away just like how tiktok almost went away earlier this this past year so you don't want to be so dependent upon one thing
0: no i think that's really smart um when did you launch your account
1: um, December 2017.
0: And like wh- what was the like origin story? <laughs> How did you put that on <laughs> there's, about?
1: A story, there's a story, a good story. So I actually had launched Detox Street with another girl. Um, with a friend that I had made, I forget if it was that summer or the summer before, out in the Hamptons, and you know, we both loved fitness, we both loved partying and going out and just doing it all. And we were in Miami for Art Basel in in December 2017. And, you know, Miami, if you've ever been to Miami, you know, it's a lot of partying, a lot of staying out super late, a lot of drinking. And Art Basel is kind of like the creme, like the Mecca, like the like big event in Miami. So we were there and, you know, we'd stay out. I remember we went to 11, which is a strip club with some friends. And I think we saw like Drake or somebody perform at two or three in the morning. We came home at five thirty in the morning, slept for a couple hours. And me and my friend were, you know, we went down to the gym at the hotel at like nine or 10 in the morning, did this great workout, some hit workout, befriended like the trainers at the gym and then we went on and did it, did the whole partying thing. And then we would do it again and again and again. And we're like, come on, guys, like detox to retox. This is a lifestyle. Like you got to do it. And we were just joking around and like, why don't we make an account? And we'd been toying around with the idea of like starting something. Um, and initially it was, we wanted to be like the East coast version of the tone it up girls and do our own workouts Well, you know, we ended up parting ways, maybe six months later, I kept the account, she went on to do something else. Sadly, no longer friends. (laughs) That that happens sometimes. Um, It can be really hard to work with your friends. Um, And I kept the account. So then it kind of evolved from there. And I went, yeah. Did you guys like,
0: was there like an argument about who would keep the account? Or was it pretty seamless?
1: Um, it was pretty seamless. I think, well, what happened is she, so we went back to Miami. We were in Miami, it was like the fifth, probably through the seventh around that timing when we were down there for Art Basel. And then we went back for New Year's and she met a guy over New Year's who was pretty controlling and he wanted, you know, her to be a certain way. And he's, we, we were super close and we spent a lot of time together and he didn't like that. So he kind of separated us and would put ideas in her head and my friends would put ideas in my head. So it was just, it was like a lot of miscommunication and like other people had ideas of what they wanted us to be. Um, and then by the end, you know, by March, April, whenever we sat down and had a conversation, she's like, just take it. I don't even care if it's this important to you. Like, I want you to do it. I'll start my own thing.
0: I have a friend, um, pretty big Instagram account who just went through the same thing recently where it was two girls running it. There was like, she even made a contract about like signing it over to her because she was the only one doing all the work and this other girl was getting all the, the perks. So sometimes yeah. you have to have that tough conversation. Yeah.
1: And it is like, it is a lot of work especially when you're just starting out and posting every day and creating content and the captions and like, it, it's a lot of work. It is a full-time job. Um, and then eventually you get it up and running and it's a little more. You don't have to put in as much work off the bat, but it, to get it going, it's a lot.
0: Oh, I'm and sure. I mean, how did you grow your following?
1: Um. So we we started off. We had like a calendar in Google, like Google Excel, and we had different days of the week for different like post topics. And we would alternate or we would alternate days, I think is what we did. Um, and we were just very, very consistent posting. And then both of us have, we were really outgoing people and just very social. So we had pretty big networks of friends in you know, just like kind of like the party scene in New York, but then also the health and wellness space. So we just, we'd go out and talk to people and like, it was a lot of that. And then you know, just sliding into people's DMs a lot, like, like, um, I mean, that's how we met each other. (laughs) Like a lot of sliding into DMs or asking other kind of micro influencers, do you want to go to a workout class together? And then cross promoting on, on each other's accounts and, and, you know, same thing with the fitness instructors and just doing a lot of that. And then eventually you start getting invited to events and then you make friends with other people. And, it's just, it's very much, like, what you get, what you put out is what you get it in return. Um, and just being social. So, it, it's very helpful if that comes naturally.
0: Oh, totally. Well, you know, it's funny. The first time I, like, knew who you were was at um, the Sweat Method with Jess Panesso. It was, like, in the, that little space in, like, um, Union Square that they sometimes have pop-up workshops and you were there you took the <laughs> you took the class was i with um Kaylin? honestly i don't know i just saw i didn't know who you were but I didn't know I loved like how confident you were and you just came in and you were like filming yourself and because I like oh my god I don't even remember that I
1: don't even remember I'm trying to think what the sweat I've been to so many classes it's also been a year I mean I'm sure I'd go back and find it but yeah
0: it was like a yoga slash cardio slash reiki meditation was it
1: oh was it an energy Yes, that's what it's called. They had, like, crystals. Yes. Yeah, I remember that. Yes. so
0: I saw you, because, like, I would go to these classes, and I would, like, kind of take photos, like, quickly, and then, like, I didn't want anyone to see, but I love that you were just, (laughs) the (laughs) camera was up, filming yourself, you were just taking photos. I was like, this girl is so confident, and then I, like, was looking at the repost, and I was like, oh, that's the girl. Oh, that's so funny. I mean,
1: I was, at the beginning, I was definitely shy, and it's... I would say it's also different when you were paying for the class yourself versus being there like as like an invited guest or the expectation is that you're going to share on, on Instagram. Um, I've totally been chased out of class before for recording or like putting up a camera and other times. Oh yeah. Like Equinox when I, so I used to be an Equinox member and that was one of the things I started off doing was like reviewing the group classes, the Equinox, just cause I was already going and it was like content. You're not allowed to record in the Equinox classes. And okay. then, or Tr- Tracy Anderson, you're not allowed to record in, in there either. <laughs> and then eventually I would start getting, you know, an instructor or a studio would slide into the DMs and say, oh, do you want to come to my class? And sometimes they would outline very specific, like expectations and other times they just kind of leave it to you. And I think the first studio I had any partnership with was Dance Body. And I went to their class out in the Hamptons. And I brought just, like, my Hamptons friends. Yeah. And they were just starting out at that time, like, really with their PR and marketing campaign. So we took a bunch of selfies. I, like, record. had one of my guy friends record us dancing um, at one of the hotels in Montauk and posted the videos. And the next thing I knew, they sent me an email and they said do you want to participate in our September challenge it's 30 classes in 30 days or you know as many as you can get to and we'll comp the whole month for you That's awesome! like oh my god this is awesome like someone else is like giving me free workouts so they wanted me to do like three Instagram stories every time I came to class one post a week they gave me a bunch of hashtags and like some loose guidelines about about what to post about So I ended up being in this program with another girl named Alyssa. And Alyssa had like 25,000 followers, I think at the time. And I had like 3,000 or 4,000. Like I was very much like micro influencer. And um, so we ended up becoming friends because we were the two influencers doing the program together. And she helped me a lot, just kind of everything I needed to know about like the influencer space, how to negotiate brand deals, how to talk through um, contracts and payment and like, what was my, my worth? Cause I just had no idea what I was doing Mm -hmm. and she actually worked in the space and she had um, worked with sweats in the city for a couple months, helping them and just helping them level up their, their, you know, prices they were charging and the way they were doing negotiations and outreach and everything. So she actually had a lot of really helpful information and was able to, you know, everything from like my media kit to just, yeah. So that was super, super helpful. So I met her through my first ever partnership, which was Dance Body. Um, And then from there, it's like, once you start doing, once you get like one of them, other brands start seeing you and reaching out and it kind of snowballs from there
0: wow and at what point were you like okay this is actually something
1: well I mean I definitely like always wanted it to be a thing very much so that's not I will not make that a secret like I I wanted to like monetize my Instagram and like have that be one of my revenue streams like from the day that I started it I just knew um So I definitely like worked hard towards that goal. Um, And I think so that I had the dance body partnership and around the same time I started getting invited to a lot of events from I got put on PR lists and I got invited to a breakfast with a vitamin company and it wasn't even the vitamin company. It was like the manufacturer of one of the ingredients that goes in vitamins and it was for glutathione, which is like the ultimate antioxidant. And it, it, it was like a, this big giant, I think it's a Chinese or Japanese company, but like billion, billion dollar company. Yes. And so they were putting on the breakfast. So I, at this point now, I'm like starting to juggle my full-time job with my Instagram. And I'm like, you know, showing up late for work because I'm at an influencer breakfast or, you know, skipping out early to pop by at something Things like that. So I end up going to this influencer breakfast, like three blocks from my apartment in West Village, and it was a nine a.m. breakfast. So I'm like, okay, I know I'm supposed to get there thirty minutes early because I'm like the the baby influencer, and once the bigger influencers walk in, they're going to get all the attention, which is fine. I can show up for work. I knew I could get to work by like nine thirty, and not get in trouble. So I like get dressed. I show up. I you know take some pictures, ask some questions, exchange contact information with the brand rep, um, and didn't really think anything of it. They gave us, they sent us home with these boxes of vitamins, and it was like a whole detox kit. And my handle was detox to retox. So they saw it as like this perfect fit detox to retox and the detox kit. So we, you know, eventually we, I think by November we were going back and forth and they wanted to do a partnership um, at the end of the year slash January on like a detox to retox glutathione detox kit. So I negotiated with them to do an Instagram post, a couple pieces of content for their site and feed, and then stories. And I think my post was a giveaway. And it ended up being like four, like, I think it was like low four figures for the, yeah. That's amazing. (laughs) Because I had my my one girlfriend, Alyssa, helped me negotiate and knew what they were charging. And then I had another friend that was in – like, Hampton's sharehouse with me and she worked at Pop Sugar and managed all their influencer marketing. So she knew exactly how much influencers with like my following and engagement were getting from these bigger brands. And so she helped me with what to charge and like helped me push back on the conversation and just kind of, you know, it's it's all about negotiating and just kind of knowing your worth, but also having dialogue and being open and flexible because if you're a a small little influencer, you're working probably with a lot of bigger brands or you're working with small, very, very small companies that don't have a lot of money. If you're working with bigger brands, they have these giant budgets that they get to divvy out. And a lot of times if you're just the first person to come knocking on the door, you have a much better chance of getting the bigger budget than if you're the last one. So it never hurts to ask. Mm -hmm.
0: No, that's great advice. And it's all about knowing your worth, too. I think that's really important. Is mm-hmm. that your first time monetizing?
1: That was my first time, yeah. Wow.
0: That's a great way to start. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. So that was, I guess that was all in the same year that I, like, we started. It was inside of one year.
0: That's amazing. Wow. And what was your favorite, um, or so far, what has been your favorite um, like collaboration?
1: My favorite collaboration? Hmm. I would say, I mean, I really only work with brands that I know and love. I think maybe, I did a cool one recently over Thanksgiving, which was with La Roche-Posay. And they did, that's just like the most recent one that I loved. They had a whole like derm school uh, live school like session that we tuned into. and they brought in a bunch of different um, dermatologists and skin and wellness experts just to talk about skin and educate us. And it wasn't about selling a product or pushing a product. It was just about sharing information and knowledge. And I think like that one was super cool. So there's a lot of just being in this space. You get invited and exposed to so many different, just really cool, interesting, informative, educational things, events. That I don't know. It's it's cool. to no, be able to experience that and then turn around and share it with your audience. Um, and that's something that's always been like a big motivator for me, especially having you know figuring out that I had celiacs or gluten allergy whatever we want to call it at such a young age just like figuring out you have to really be in charge of your own education and that knowledge is power I feel like a responsibility to share the things that I learn and believe in with others so Yeah, I don't know if that's cheesy. It probably sounds super cheesy. But yes, that educational experience was like, I liked that one a lot.
0: That's awesome. No, it's like, yeah. And then just showing people they're not alone, too. Yeah. One of the most valuable things you can provide. Um, That's amazing. Um, And do you think like, okay, that was a few years ago when you started the account. Do you think it's evolved and changed since you launched it?
1: It's definitely evolved a lot. I think this year especially I feel like I lost kind of direction and like, what am I doing with this account? I don't know where I'm living. So much of what I was sharing since I started was based around New York city. Mm -hmm. And now I'm not sure that I'm going to move back to New York city once this whole pandemic settles down. So I'm definitely trying to figure out like, you know, what is my purpose? What is my vision with this account? And I think when I started it, the whole, my ethos the piece that was so important to me was to share relatable tips and tricks to help other women just live their best lives and be happy with their body be in a good place from a mental health health perspective um and then just like eating to feel good so just and not beating yourself up about like taking a day off or taking a week or a month off of working out or having you know, a couple cocktails or having fun with your friends. Like there's nothing,
0: life is not
1: black and white. And I think living in New York city and like this really work hard, play hard mentality, it was very easy to get caught up in like a black and white world um, and just never stop and slow down. And I feel like there are times when I felt like I was living like an imposter imposter syndrome and I feel like I, I felt like I would be preaching this lifestyle and preaching these things and I wasn't living them myself and now I feel like this year I'm finally starting I'm being forced to slow down and live in a little bit more of the gray and the unknown and I don't know I think my, my account is very tied to me and my like my person so I think there's definitely like a shift in evolution going on right now I'm not totally sure what it is yet. I'm figuring it out and trying to figure out how to share that with my audience. Yeah, more to come. I don't
0: know. (laughs) I I like what we were texting about before. I mean, you and I, I think have similar stories where now we're not in New York and we're actually just forced to like think and like be like oh what actually do I want to do with my life whereas in New York you're just it's just constantly going and it's great and it's really fun like don't get me wrong but like I don't think I ever just sat alone like without my phone and was like what do I want to be no what
1: makes me feel good what makes me happy like you just get it's I mean you really are like a hamster on a wheel and you just get caught in this momentum and I have no regrets. I loved my 11 years there immensely. I learned so much about myself. I pushed myself to like extremes on all ends of the spectrum, but I don't know. It's like, it's. I'm just thinking about what's important now in life a little bit differently. Not a little bit differently, a lot differently. Let's be real.
0: <laughs> um, can you take us through your 2020? Because I feel like you had a lot of shifts there, was, <laughs> definitely. But
1: um, sure. So I started off January New Year's. I was actually in Dubai for New Year's. Oh, wow. And then I came back to New York. I turned thirty at the end of January. Um, I my dog that I had gotten in high in college came to live with me in 2019 at the end of the year just because I felt like I needed, I want. I wasn't, I was single. I like wanted like a companion, but not like a boyfriend. <laughs> I don't know. I just wanted my dog. So buddy. I, had, I wanted my buddies. So I had the dog. I turned 30. I had like a, you know, weekend long birthday celebration at the end of January in New York City. I had a couple friends come in town for that um and then we went skiing in aspen for part two of the of the birthday
0: <laughs> nice
1: we do i do like a girls trip every year skiing oh, and wow. we've been going to aspen so it was kind of like we were already going but if we wanted to call it my birthday party we can use that as like an excuse to you know go out and party and like have fun so we we'll call it my birthday party um and then that was like the end of february and then we get back. I think we had like a week in New York and then coronavirus started happening. Um, and I remember that that week when the cases were popping up in New York City and <laughs> you know, my friends that worked in tech, their offices were getting shut down and they were being told to work from home. And my office was one of the last ones to like mandate a work from home. Um, but we were all super freaked out because at the time we didn't know what covid was we didn't know how contagious it was there was a lot of fear um and we were getting email updates from the building about people in like other towers 50 floors away that like there was a positive test case and we would get them like every hour right so the the anxiety level was extremely high um and i was going i had A flight to go back to Chicago Thursday because I had um, my uncle had passed away a couple months earlier and we had like a delayed funeral for him down in Florida. So I I was trying to figure out do I bring the dog with me back to Chicago before I go down to Florida or do I leave him with the dog sitter in New York? And like people, some people were work from home. I'm like I don't know what what is gonna happen. So I end up bringing the dog. But only packing for like a weekend in Florida. <laughs> oh my God! And Sunday night work mandated work from home indefinitely. And luckily, I had brought my work computer. But I ended up like staying, moving in with my mom, and then switching over to my dad's house and staying there until May. I was on a month-to-month lease um, in my apartment and i had been there for six years and i had actually looked at apartments the week before the shutdown in new york city and i'm think i was thinking i was ready to move um i was going to move out of the west village into like a a doorman building with amenities and just have a little bit more space i had the dog so i had been looking at apartments um so i wasn't super attached to my apartment in the west village anymore um So by the end of April, I emailed my landlord and I said, okay, May is my last month, keep my security deposit. I flew back for a couple days to pack up the stuff that I thought I would need for summer. Um, And at the time, nobody was moving out of New York City. It was like the world was at a standstill. So I got a pretty good deal on moving and I got the movers to pack up all my stuff for me. Um, so I just like grabbed the things I think thought I needed for summer. I had the movers come, they packed everything else up. I wasn't even there. We did it over FaceTime and put it in storage, moved out of my apartment. So it was like up in the Bronx. I think my things were, and at that point I'm like, what am I going to do? Should I move to Miami? Should I move to LA? Like where next? So this is a great, but also I had my job and I couldn't quit my job. I had to like keep kind of going through that and see what happened. So I just ended up, you know, then I'm like, maybe I'm going to move to Chicago. I'm just no idea.
0: But you were done with New York, you thought?
1: No so. idea. I was done with New York. I didn't like say goodbye to it. I didn't see my friends. I hadn't seen any of my friends for my New York life. I didn't see them up until November of this past year which was very interesting because it's like it it was I felt very disconnected from my old life my pre-pandemic life um for most of this past year which was good and bad um anyway so eventually I decided like this I'm paying for this storage I don't think I'm going back to New York it's going to start getting cold in Chicago I need my fall clothes so I had the moving company send all of my stuff to my mom's house in Chicago. So at this point, all the furniture I had had was from, from college and I'm like not attached to it anymore. Same kind of thing. I'm like, I don't need the furniture. I just need my clothes. I like want my things in one space. Like I can't keep living. Like I have no home. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So the things come, I end up leaving sacks um at the end of July and at that point I was like I just kind of want to take like a little time to just like chill and I don't know where I'm going what I'm doing um
0: why did you decide to leave socks
1: um I actually I got laid off But it was like, like I knew it was coming, but I also, and I hadn't been really very happy there for probably the last year and a half. It just, it was like pulling teeth for me going to work and sitting at a desk all day. And I just, I wasn't happy, but I wasn't, I didn't want to quit because I didn't know exactly what I was going to do next. And I liked the stability of the recurring paycheck um and having like health insurance paid for and even if it wasn't as much money as i wanted to be making it was like it it was easier to keep doing what i was doing and then to just rip the band-aid off totally um so like it was like a long time coming and it wasn't I wasn't actually sad at all. It was really happy when it happened. I was like on the zoom with my boss and HR and I'm like trying not to smile or be like yes, yes. Finally I'm free. This is the best thing that ever happened but you know it, I was I was happy. I
0: don't know listen to this so
1: yeah, they probably will never hear this. So it doesn't matter. But <laughs> or if they do um
0: it was meant to be it was was, no
1: it was meant to be like it wasn't like sad for me at all I was very ready to move on but I also like I wasn't I couldn't just quit um for a couple for different reasons but
0: I'm the same way (laughs) I totally get it
1: (laughs) um so yeah so that happened the end of July then August I was like I'm just gonna you know chill out. I I was also, you know, the whole summer I'd been exploring other different kind of career paths. Like, do I want to go into commercial real estate? Did I want to go into finance? And I was meeting and talking to a lot of different people. Did I want to go into residential real estate? Um, Also thinking about like starting different products or things on my own and just kind of like taking the time to like really feel like the world is my oyster and like what makes me happy, what makes me interested and what makes me tick, which I haven't felt that way, honestly, since I was like a senior in in high school or like a freshman, sophomore in college. I haven't felt so like free and with, with so many different options in the world of like, what can I do and what makes me happy. So that's kind of been the second half of my journey of 2020 is just very much like following what feels good, what, what is pulling me in, you know, the right direction. Um, I did go through a period in 2020, I'd say in the summer where I was just like drinking a lot and kind of, you know, we'd been trapped in our houses for so long in the spring that by the time summer came around, it was like, let's just, we wanted to go on boats and like drink at the pool and hang out and like, I wasn't really eating healthy or working out as much as I liked to, but it was like, it was fine. Like it was, I needed to go through that period. And then after Labor Day weekend, I really started, I'm like, okay, I gotta like, I don't feel good. I need to like figure out what makes me feel good and get kind of back on track. So I start, I stopped drinking basically for the whole month of September, which that's not something I like struggle with, but for me, it's like a distraction and, I don't feel good when I drink a lot, I get really bad acid reflux. My body just actually kind of rejects alcohol. So I needed a break from it just to kind of feel right and feel rested and feel like myself. And then I got back into, you know, doing workouts and I had picked up tennis in the summer and golf and things I hadn't played since I was a kid, which was fun. It was was a great way to bond with my parents and just like do different activities outside. Um, So I started playing some more tennis in September and just doing more workouts. And then October, I went out to Bale. I went out to Colorado for a couple weeks um, with this guy that I had, had started dating at the end of summer and his family is a place out there. And we just went on these really long hikes every day and we'd go to Pilates, we'd like go to reformer Pilates and then go on like a four hour hike and then you know, make food at home. And we didn't do a lot of drinking, but it was all about nature and like being in the mountains and seeing the leaves change. The timing worked out perfectly. I was there and all the aspen trees were bright yellow and it was just, oh, it was amazing. And then since then i've kind of been on this like journey i don't know where i'm going i feel like i'm playing the game of life (laughs) and every day i like roll the dice and what's next i knew november i wanted to go one of my girlfriends um was turning 30 and she wanted to go to cabo for her birthday and she's from southern california all her other friends are from southern california so it was a very easy trip so i i Anytime I've traveled during the pandemic, I try to like go for a long period of time to make it worth it and not move around a lot. Um, so I went to Cabo. I ended up staying for like five or six days by myself after the weekend with them, which was like that was amazing. I I went to this hotel and I had it had like a swing overlooking the ocean. And I'd wake up at seven in the morning and watch the surfers and have coffee and just like I started working out they had a workout class on the roof i thought it was pilates sculpt and it was like a hit kayla style workout that totally kicked my ass but it was amazing i hadn't done a workout like that since probably february when i went to rumble or berries like i just i hadn't done anything like that and it felt so good um so i kept extending my stay by a day by a day and then i went to go stay with a girlfriend that i've known since college a fordham girl friend from new york she was living in venice working new york hours so i stayed with her for a week and we both she hadn't been to any fitness classes either she like totally fell off a routine so i'm like let's go to berries they have berries outside so we go to berries we go to soul cycle and that's what we used to do in new york we would do the workout class and brunch and you know it was like our whole ritual on the weekends so we start doing kind of these classes again and it just felt so good. I came home for Thanksgiving to Chicago and then I went to, to Florida. So also during this time, I'm kind of like checking out the two other cities that I thought I wanted to live in. So now I've kind of checked out LA, like, what is it like? It's a pandemic, but like, can I see myself living here? And I just loved being by the ocean, like love the waves, the beach, the beach. So then my, one of my other best friends lives in Miami. She's a doctor down there. So I had, you know, I go every year for Art Basel and hang out with her. So it was Art Basel weekend. Of course it was canceled in 2020, but I still went down to hang out with her. And then I stayed by myself in Miami for like 10 days after in Brickell and then in South Beach, check it out, see what it's like. Do I want to live here? Um, and then my mom's in Palm beach for the winter. So I went up and spent a week with her afterwards and just like figuring it out. I still have no answers.
0: (laughs) And that's okay. I mean, I had chills when you were talking because my just journey this year was so similar where I also, oh my gosh, I was like drinking so much this summer and that's like, (laughs) it's fun, but also I was doing it in a way that's like not healthy where I just be like, bottle of wine. Like, and it's just like uh, sitting alone. Like it's just not me. And it was when we drove out to Arizona and we were just like hiking every day that I was just like, Oh my God, like the mountains, like (laughs) this is what I needed. And I like, you know, cut all that out. Um, and now I hike all the time. I'm really into like outdoors activities, but when we were deciding, are we leaving New York? Where are we going? I, I mean, people ask me every day, like, where are you moving? Are you staying in Arizona? Are you staying in California? And I'm just like, I don't know. I yep. really don't know. And this went from like, we started thinking about this over the summer. It's now January. And like, I'm now just to be able to give people an answer, like in the last month, but like, you just have to like, let <laughs> your loved one, if they're going through this, like let them do it. So I'm like, I'm not even going to ask you. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, I have no idea. I'm figuring it out. And like a lot of people ask questions all the time where and especially like with the influencer stuff, they want to know what address to ship things to. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know. Like, if it's if you're gonna ship it and it's actually gonna arrive in the next two weeks, you can send it here. Otherwise, yeah,
0: no, you don't have to have an answer. Like, I don't know exactly. And but it's good. You're like figuring out things you like, like the ocean, na- more nature,
1: mountains. I love skiing. I definitely want to spend some time in the mountains again, like February, March. I have these ski passes that I have to use in Colorado. And, like, the mountains. Calling in Colorado, yeah. It's like the mountains and the beach are like really speaking to me these past ten months. Sedona, Santa Fe. Beautiful. I haven't been since I was probably in middle school, but it's beautiful out there.
0: Yeah. No, Sedona's really special. Like that it's the hiking is so magical and there's like these vortexes in the city. So if you really just want to feel like grounded, like I highly recommend it.
1: Yeah. I mean when I went out to visit, um, Colorado we were talking we were like do we drive I think we were talking about going to the Grand Canyon or going to like I forget which parks but some other parks and driving and like doing these road trips and just seeing our country I've spent so much time the past decade trying to get more passport stamps and
0: like <laughs> this country's amazing I really yeah no I had the same like wake up call um are you still seeing the guy
1: um We're like, not we're having like a break right now. I didn't see him in December, I won't see him this month, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, you gotta go, he wants to go skiing (laughs) in February, and I'm I don't know how I'm gonna feel about that in February. Like, who knows what's gonna happen this
0: month? So, um, I'm interested. How did you meet someone during COVID? um
1: so i've had three like covid boyfriends I Love it. <laughs> so okay. the first one was a guy that i was dating in new york um more like a good friend but like a kind of like a friends with benefits type thing um that <laughs> he like freaked out in new york when the pandemic happened and i was like i don't want to be at my parents house alone come stay with with us I wanted like a friend Mm -hmm. so he came for like six weeks (laughs) (laughs) why not (laughs) live in boyfriend meet the parents (laughs)
0: let's do it that's awesome
1: and then eventually like it was like it got to be like Easter after Easter I just I, I like wasn't getting anything out of it anymore and he's like I think I might leave I might go back to New York and I'm like okay. Like I like drove him to the airport and I liked neither of us. Like we just both kind of knew like this wasn't going anywhere for right now. Like who knows what happens down the road, but I mean, I was sad when he was gone. And then I met, I met a guy on an app in Chicago who ended up being like a total dirty John, but I dated him for most of the summer and he had like a boat and it was super fun. And we had some mutual friends and, you know, it was like it served its purpose at the time Um, but yeah, he ended up like literally being like a dirty John and like, like with his whole like career and things that he would say. And like, he met my whole family and my dad and my uncle are like, we don't like him. Like he doesn't make eye contact. And I'm like, yeah, like his story doesn't add up. And then sure enough. Um, so then after him, I got introduced.
0: I I have to know though. What did he say he did?
1: Oh my God. He said he was. He flies planes, he does real estate, and he does finance. So he did have his pilot's license. He was like a United pilot, but then he also was an oil and gas trader and like started his own hedge fund, but then got his licenses revoked for like evading taxes, which was all public information on the internet. Like I verified the pilot license and I verified the the hedge fund thing, whatever, but then it wasn't a thing anymore, and then he did, like, section eight housing, like, in Chicago, which, like, also didn't add up, um, anyway, then we, like, friends of friends, because Chicago's very small, I grew up there, so, like, friend to friend, like, he got outed very quickly on that kind of stuff, and then, like, one of my friends saw him, like, with other girls, like, his brother like had posted a story, so he came over and hung out with my whole family on like a Friday night. Met my brothers, my dad, everyone, and the next day he was like going on a on a on the boat for his brother's thirtieth birthday. And he, originally he had invited me to like plan the whole thing with him, and then like he kind of went MIA on that. But we still were hanging out, and his brother posts on his birthday, the guy with his arm around another girl, not even 24 hours before he's, like, "Hang out with my family. Wow. Like, taking, that like, I screenshot like it, I, I send it to him, and I said, who's but- this chick? I got blocked on
0: everything. Of that <laughs> is, What is going on in Chicago? Did you hear about that guy over the summer? That, like, yeah, no. So, that my dirty John happened at like the exact
1: same time as him. And I, like, was kind of like, I talked about it like a tiny bit on my social media, which I think that's why I got blocked by him on everything because he was worried I was gonna (laughs) out him like that dirty John. (laughs) That's
0: so freaking funny. I actually randomly thought about that guy the other day and I was like, what happened? And I was Googling it, and there's nothing, there's nothing.
1: Yeah, that the girl that it happened to, she was used to be like really good friends with one of my childhood best friends. So it's like, like in Chicago, it's very small. Everyone's like one or two degrees removed. Um, but yeah. Wow. <laughs> and then the, the veil guy, he, one of my girlfriends from New York, saw that I was in Chicago and she connected me with him on Facebook. And she said, oh, we have a bunch of mutual friends. He's in Chicago, he's in Colorado a lot. You both like outdoor things. I thought we were like getting, we got lunch on a Monday at like 1 p.m. I thought we were like just friends. I did not did not think of it as a dating thing, like at all. Um, and he was like a little like he, like I never would have matched with him on a dating app. He was outside my age range. He's, um, he was 46, short, shorter, bald he's like if you've seen sex in the city he's like Harry.
0: oh but i love harry though
1: (laughs) i love harry too but i like never would have matched with him on a dating app Mm -hmm. but i went out with we went out to lunch because mutual friend he was gonna tell me all the stuff about chicago next thing you know we're going to pilates class Summer in Chicago he's like oh come back to my apartment it's around the corner we can have oysters and rosé on the roof i can shuck them for you they're fresh from you know washington arrived yesterday i'm like okay like still wasn't thinking about it like that and i don't know the, several months later
0: <laughs> that sounds really fun
1: <laughs> <laughs> no it was super fun. it was great no he's like a great guy mm-hmm. um i'm just like and then also at the same time, I'm, like, living with my parents, you know, and, like, I don't have my own space. And then I would go stay with him for, like, two weeks or, like, five days. And right. He very much values his own space and independence, and he works for himself. So I would come in and be this, like, big distraction. But so he would want me around. So now I'm trying to figure – everyone's figuring it out.
0: Right. What What kind of business does he have?
1: Um. So he di- was an investment banker, and now he does, like, real estate – uh commercial real estate things and like tech and
0: yeah that's the extent of what i understand <laughs> yes like, i'd be the same wow what like an adventure you've had just like when you pulled yourself out of new york when new york is the center of the world like i didn't think there was <laughs> out of new york but to leave and have all this happen to you is is pretty amazing it's been an
1: interesting year yeah <laughs>
0: Wow. And then, so for 2021, you're just kind of, like, going with the flow, it seems.
1: I'm, like, not having a plan for the first time in my life and not having every everything mapped out. I know I want to be here for around a month. My birthday's at the end of the month. I either will stay here or maybe go to Florida and see my mom. And then I know I want to be in the mountains for, like, February, March. And that is... <laughs> My plan.
0: Oh, I love that. I'm so happy for you and excited to see where this all goes. I will be following.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm excited to see where it goes, too.
0: (laughs) Are we all? Well, Hawaii looks beautiful. Like, I'm sure. What are you doing today?
1: Um, I have a little bit of work to do after we get off, and then I think I might head down to the beach.
0: Amazing. Awesome. Um, Well, I have one more question that I've been asking everyone and it's what do you think your gift is?
1: My gift?
0: Or is that something maybe you're figuring out this year? Um,
1: I, I don't know. This maybe sounds cheesy, but I don't care. It's the first thing that came to mind. So I will share it. I think my gift is just like sharing my story and being, you know, truthful and vulnerable and hoping that that can inspire other people to, you know, continue on their journeys and, and try things out and not be afraid to take risks, put their heart out there, um, and just kind of see what happens.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that. Um, and do you have any advice for anyone who's thinking about like doing this nomad lifestyle, you know, in the next year, <laughs> I'm sure like mentally, it has to be challenging too, not to have like a home.
1: Oh yeah. It's not easy. I think, so this month is actually the first month since last March when I'm, I know I'm having my own space for the whole month and I don't have roommates other they're friends or parents or siblings. Um, and I think that's something I've, learned on my journey is how important my own personal space is. Um, And not having like the crazy routine I used to have in New York, but just having, you know, like moving all the time, it's very hard to like, get your workstation set up, get into your groove, figure out how to work the coffee pot, like, just that kind of stuff, the little things. I mean, I got here on Monday, I spent the whole Monday, Tuesday, groceries, bathroom stuff, like getting set up. So definitely, factor that into your to your timeline um the adjustment period there's a couple days that it takes to adjust to a new city a new um lifestyle being on a farm in Hawaii um but and also just be forgiving to
0: yourself yeah that's awesome All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. It was great talking to you. Thank you so much for listening to Lit Up With Low. Make sure to follow at Detox2Retox on Instagram to see where Emily ends up next. Your support of the podcast means so much to me. So please rate, review and subscribe. Have an awesome weekend and I will see you next Friday.